Great to see you in the house of the Lord this evening. I pray you've come with great expectation. It seems that you have. I'll try that again. I said it seems that you have. How many of you know that's where God meets you? At the level of your expectation. If your expectation is small, then small things happen. But if your expectation is big, you will not be disappointed. Amen. Well, it's so good to be in York County uh, and just to be able to be in this general area not too far away from where I spent a season of my life with some wonderful people and had the privilege of pastoring and just uh, good to see some of you here tonight. And uh, then, of course, those that are part of this local church family, uh, it's good to see you, some of you that we've seen before and now have the privilege of seeing your beautiful faces again. We just bless you in the name of the Lord. We had a great time this morning at King's Pasture Christian Center in Hamilton, Georgia. That's uh, where we're now pastoring and where we also have the headquarters for Global Harvest International Fellowship. And uh, I'll just say this real quick. Don't ever tell God you're not going to do something or don't ever tell other people, I'll never do that again. I had the privilege of pastoring through many years and uh, when I left the church in this area that I pastored, I, I said, that's the last church I'll pastor. And uh, for almost 20 years, I've traveled and uh, we have developed the fellowship that God gave us from what started out as just roundtable meetings with pastors to now we're in between 50 and 60 nations with over 5,000 churches and ministries and pastors. And God has done some phenomenal things, and we're grateful for that. But back in 2013, in the month of August, I was in our conference. We have an annual conference. It's called Eagles Gathering, and the five full ministry gifts come together, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, those that function in the office of bishop and other things, they come and they meet. And uh, we just minister the Word of God to be an encouragement along with other guest speakers that help us. And one of my dear, dear friends who is a real blessing and has been a real mentor in my life, Archbishop Kirby Clements, was teaching in one of the morning sessions in August of 2013. And while he was teaching, he looked at me and I was sitting about where Pastor Aaron is and he looked over at me and he said, my good archbishop, he said, uh, and he's, he's been teaching and right in the middle of his teaching, he just stopped and said, my good archbishop, he said, um, I, I see that by this time next year you'll be pastoring again. Well, when he made that statement, I rebuked the devil seven times and I said, it shall not be so. And then to top it off, right after that, uh, a member of our college of bishops uh, got up to speak after him. And he said, Archbishop, before I begin, I just must say that my spirit bears witness with what Archbishop Clement said, and uh, that within a year, you're going to be pastoring again. And I looked at my wife, and I told her, I said, that's the first time we've ever had a conference with two false prophets in one service. (laughs) And uh, so, long story short... Uh, within one year, from 2013 to 2014, almost exactly to the day, August the 10th of uh, 2014, we took over that ministry. Uh, it was literally handed over to our care. 
beautiful building, beautiful facility, 24 acres of property. The, the church had gone through some really, really difficult times and seasons. There was only a handful of people there. But this morning the building was almost full and uh, building seats about 500 people or so. And God is doing some phenomenal things. But if you would have told me back three years ago that I'd be doing what I'm doing today, I would have said that you have been dreaming and it's not of the Lord. And uh, But how many of you know God has plans for us and they're beyond our understanding? Can you say amen? Praise God. But we're so delighted we're still traveling. As a matter of fact, I just returned from a tremendous time in London, England, and in Ghana, West Africa. I was in Kumasi and also in Accra. And uh, just prior to that, a few weeks before that, I was in uh, Nigeria, and I was ministering in the capital there, Abuja. And we had great meetings while we were there. In just a few weeks, I'll be heading back to Nigeria, and I'll be ministering in Port Harcourt. And uh, we're looking forward to a tremendous time of ministry there where we'll be elevating bishops or consecrating bishops and uh, ordaining pastors and also speaking in a great conference. And then uh, right after that, we'll be going back to Ghana again and ministering in Accra. And while we're there in, uh, in that particular setting, the same thing, we'll be consecrating some bishops, ordaining pastors, and it's going to be a powerful time. And then we'll end the year up in Ivory Coast, West Africa, and we'll be consecrating a new bishop there that will be over that region for our fellowship. So God is doing some phenomenal things. And out of it all, uh, the thing that has been most miraculous to me is out of a year of ministry and pastoring. Matter of fact, now it's been, uh, what month is this? October? So it's been uh, 14 months. And uh, we've, we've never taken one dime from the church. We've poured into the ministry there. And God has supernaturally provided and made available. We never, we've never taken one salary, never taken one thing. And we've just poured in and poured in and poured in and continued to do what God has called us to do. And it's not going to stay that way. I will get a salary. But how many of you know that when God calls you to do something, you just trust Him? How many of you have trusted Him? Have you ever done that? Just trusted the Lord. Stepped out into a place that is unknown and unusual, and you trusted God, and God met you there. Now, as Pastor Aaron said a little bit earlier, I have my girlfriend with me tonight, and I'm very happy that she's with me. We uh, still are enjoying our journey together. And I want her to stand up and just turn around, smile, and wave at everybody. Many of you know her. Most of you know her. This is my wife, Sandy. And uh, amen. I can't believe this coming April will be 42 years because uh, that, that's almost an impossibility to think of being married 42 years when you're only 35. That's a miracle. Look at somebody and tell them it's a miracle. Yeah, the Bible said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I think I'm 35, leave me alone. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor Aaron, thank you so much for the privilege of uh, sharing in this service tonight. Love you and appreciate you as my son and as a son in the Lord and just what God is doing in and through your life. And uh, so good to be here with Day and my beautiful grandchildren. Just love you guys so much thankful that God's grace is upon you to fulfill His assignment in the earth today. And I hope you know you're blessed that they're here. I said, I hope you know that. Amen. 
I like those words, Pastor's Appreciation Day. I think that ought to be every day. Amen? How many of you believe you ought to pray for your pastor? How many of you believe you ought to love your pastor? How many of you believe you ought to help your pastor? Look at your neighbor and say, then please do it. Please do it. Just hallelujah. Well, I want you to stand with me tonight for the reading of the Word of God. I'm not going to preach too long, but there's something that's in my spirit that I really feel the Lord has given me for you. I'm convinced that we are living in a very strategic time for the body of Christ. And that in order for us to fulfill the mandate that has been placed upon us by the Holy Spirit, we are going to have to learn how to war to win. Somebody say war to win. Say it again, war to win. Now there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that don't believe that you have to be involved in any engagement of warfare. You know, they say, well, Jesus paid it all. I got saved. I came into the kingdom of God. The battle is won. The victory is won. That's true. That's true from the standpoint of your eternal salvation. That's true from the assurance that you have in Christ. But in your day-to-day walk with God, there are powers and principalities that have to be dealt with. There are spiritual wickedness in high places that must be confronted. And you cannot do that unless you understand the legalities and the strategies of how to do warfare. Warfare in the Spirit can make the difference of whether you succeed or fail. It can make the difference of whether you get your miracle or it passes you by. It can make the difference of whether that you climb to the top of the mountain or you sink to the bottom of the sea. It is completely up to you in the realm of your understanding. How many of you know that the Old Testament prophet made it very clear? My people are destroyed for what? A lack of knowledge. Everybody say lack of knowledge. That means a lack of understanding, a lack of revelation, a lack of insight to what God's plan and strategy is for we who are members of the body of Christ. So Father, tonight we thank you in advance for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We pray that you will enable us to engage this moment and take full advantage of this opportunity. Once again, we yield our members unto you, that you would anoint us with fresh oil, that you would give us the ability to speak as your mouthpiece, that you would help us to see beyond the sphere of natural things and to hear your voice clearly. And I pray that as I deliver my heart to the people, even as you have poured into me, may they receive it gladly. And may the seed of the Word of God produce even a hundredfold blessing in their life. I thank you now for what will be accomplished as a result of the power of your presence and the exaltation of your name. And we give you thanks. And everybody said amen Amen. and amen. You may be seated. In the presence of the Lord. Open with me please to the book of First Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. Paul writing to his son in the Lord pens these words. This I charge, or this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them, by the prophecies, might war a good warfare. 
Now, as Paul is writing to Timothy, he says, Timothy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the prophetic words that were spoken over your life, that formed and framed your ideas and your concepts of who you are and who you are to be. And I want you to use them as instruments of warfare against the adversary. I want you to take those prophetic utterances and use them to your advantage because they were not merely words that were spoken and released without purpose, but they were words that were spoken in power with potential to bring someone into the fulfillment of God's divine design. How many of you know when the Word of the Lord comes forth, it's always with purpose? Let me try it over on this side. I think maybe we can get a little better. I said, how many of you believe that when the Word of God goes forth, it's always with purpose? Yeah, I'm talking about the Word of the Lord. Now, I'm not just talking about when somebody talks about God or somebody talks about some story about God. I'm talking about when the Word of the Lord comes forth. Whether it comes by prophecy, or it comes by preaching, or it comes by teaching. You can always tell in your spirit if something is merely being brought to you, or if something is truly inspired by the Holy Ghost. And so Paul said, Timothy... I want you to remember those Holy Ghost words that were spoken over your life. I want you to use them and utilize them to your advantage when you combat enemy forces. If you go to the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verses 2 through 8, the apostle writing to Ephesus said, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you did it too. Come on, would you just tell them that? Everybody has a past. But thank God every Christian has a future. Hallelujah. And it goes on and said, we had our conversation, our conduct, our lifestyle in these things in times past, in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, I'll tell you that right there, is enough for any Christian to give a good amen. But God who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together, or made us alive with Christ, by grace you're saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us, through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now there's a couple of things that I want to say. First of all, when you become a child of God, you are no longer in the kingdom of darkness. So therefore, it is impossible for you to scripturally and biblically say, 
with real conviction and understanding, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I might have been a sinner. I can't get much help in here. I said I might have been a sinner, but I'm not a sinner. Because Paul also wrote and said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Do you believe that? The Bible tells us that when we come into the kingdom of God, we are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. There is a shift that takes place supernaturally the moment you confess Jesus as Lord. So you are no longer under the dominion of the devil. But now you are under the auspices and the lordship of Jesus Christ. And because of that, you should never allow yourself to be demeaned by the devil or anybody else that comes trying to tell you that you're still stuck in your past. You may have a past, but that's not who you are. You are now a new creature in Christ Jesus with the ability to carry out kingdom mandates and assignments and to change and affect your generation for the glory of God. Whenever Paul wrote these words, Paul said to them, I want you to understand, and listen to this, it's very significant. I want you to understand you've been raised up together with Christ And right now, positionally, you are seated with Him in heavenly places. Where is He seated? At the right hand of the majesty on high. Is that right? Everybody say this with me out loud. That's where I'm seated. Come on, say it again. That's where I'm seated. You may not feel like that's where you're seated, but... According to the Word of God, if you are a believer, you have been raised up. You have been lifted. And you are seated at the right hand of the majesty on high with access to the power, the promises, and the benefits that are in Jesus Christ. It goes on and says that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. How is God going to display His kindness through me? Oh, I'm so kind. You want to know me. I mean, you really want to know me. Because it's not natural kindness. It's supernatural kindness. It's not the grace that can be bestowed by natural ability. It is the supernatural grace of God. I love the way the Apostle Paul talks about grace. He doesn't just talk about unmerited favor. He doesn't just talk about supernatural enablement. He talks about the many sides of grace. Grace has many facets. It has many dimensions. It has many sides. And when the Apostle Paul talks about that, he said, I'm wanting you to comprehend that you are carrying something that has been imparted to you by God that has the ability to get you through any situation. Somebody shout grace. That's the reason why the Old Testament prophets said when you come to the mountain, don't just stand there and look at it. Say grace, grace to the mountain. 
because grace is God's power at work on our behalf to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves and to show us the marvels and the mysteries and the majesty of who He is. If we go to Colossians chapter 1, verses 12-14, through 14, this is what the apostle writes to Colossae. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Everybody say, I'm a partaker. I am a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. I wasn't left out. I'm glad that I didn't have to pass a qualifying exam. The only thing that was necessary for me to fit into this equation was to believe on the only begotten of the Father. And if I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior and accept Him as the same, then according to the Word of God, I am now in the family of light. And I also have the privilege of enjoying an inheritance. Now watch this. He goes on and says, Who hath delivered us. Somebody say it's already done. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom, talking about Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Man, when I was a kid coming up, we used to sing some of those old hymns. And still every once in a while I like to pull one out and dust it off. Like when the redeemed are gathering in, washed like snow and free from all sin. How we'll shout and how we'll sing when the redeemed are gathering in. It's not going to be a gathering of moping and groping. It is not going to be a gathering of the sad multitude. It is going to be a gathering of those that have been washed in the blood and they know it. Mm -hmm. You know what uh, Dwight L. Moody said as he was preaching on heaven one day? He said, me thinks, me sees the thief that was on the cross leading the grand anthem of glory. And singing the songs of amazing grace. You remember that thief, don't you? The one that said, today remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, thou shalt be with me in paradise. And immediately there was a translation. Now when I say translation, I'm not talking about changing languages from English to Spanish or Spanish to French or French to German or whatever. I'm talking about a divine supernatural shift that relocates you. It's like what happened with the deacon and later the evangelist Philip. You remember the story in the Bible? Philip is going along and the Holy Spirit tells him, I want you to go over to a certain place and you're going to come upon a eunuch and he's going to be riding in a chariot and I want you to go over there and I want you to let him know about the kingdom of God. Let him know about Yeshua. And so he goes and when he goes, he sees the chariot, he starts running along beside of it and he sees that the man sitting in the chariot, this eunuch, is reading from the book of Isaiah. But he don't understand what he's reading. And so he asked the man, would you like me to help you with that? He said, man, if you could explain it, I sure would appreciate it. You ever been there? <laughs> and so the Bible said that he climbed up in the chariot with him and he began to talk of Jesus 
And when he began to talk of Jesus, the Scripture said the man was persuaded and asked the question, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And he said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And the Bible said they saw some water, stopped the chariot, got out, had a baptismal service, and just like that, Philip was gone. 20, 30 miles away. I mean, one minute he's having a baptismal service and the next minute he's holding a crusade. God translated him. That's what happens to us spiritually when we come into the kingdom of God. We are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Why is that important? Because until you understand what kingdom you're in, you will not understand how that you have been authorized to face your adversary and deal with any devil knowing the outcome will be victorious. Touch your neighbor and tell him he's going somewhere. Now, now, now watch this, watch this. See, if we are going to war this good warfare that we're talking about, then there's something very significant that we got to do. We have got to learn how to superimpose the kingdom of God over the kingdom of darkness. I'm going to say that again. I said we have got to learn how to superimpose the kingdom of God over the kingdom of darkness. We have got to learn how to dislodge and relocate demons and devils that would try to block the blessing, the benefits, and the bounty of God in your life. And that is our responsibility. God is not going to do it for you. He's already done everything that is essential for your victory. Now you've got to take up your weapon. You've got to take up what He has given you as offensive weapons and as armor to go into battle knowing that in the name of the Lord, you are already declared the winner. Paul said, I am not fighting just to fight. I'm not fighting to beat the air or to shadow box. He said, I'm fighting to win. I know who my adversary is. I know who I'm contending with. And I am going to be victorious. I'm just looking for somebody here in this church tonight that believes it's possible for you to be victorious regardless of your circumstance. I don't care what your condition is. uh, If If you know who you are, you can rise up in the power of His might. You have to take dominion. You have to take authority. It's not just going to come. You've got to take it. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's this way in every city. It's this way in every hamlet, every village all over the world. There are principalities and powers that have set up bastions and strongholds against the kingdom of God. And they're not just going to leave because you showed up and built a church. Somebody's going to have to understand who they are. 
And somebody is going to have to be willing to engage the enemy legally. And the vehicle that God has given us to do that is called prayer. You gotta pray. And we got a lot of people that can talk about prayer. They can teach on prayer. They've written books on prayer. They do seminars on prayer. The problem is there's not very many people praying. Y'all doing all right? See, we've got to pray. Because it is only through the vehicle of prayer that we are able to utilize the weapons of warfare that have been given to us. For again, Paul wrote these words. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. God has given you the authority and the ability through the victory that Jesus won in His death, burial, and resurrection to move into any territory that the devil has established and say, Enough is enough. Enough. I know in the area where we are right now, there's a principality and we're dealing with it. We're not just knowing it's there. We've not just been made aware by the Holy Spirit, but we're dealing with it. We're not going to let it stay. It's coming down. It's a spirit of infirmity that has set itself up in that region. And I have never seen as many people going through sickness as I have since we've been there in the last 14 months. And I told the people just a few weeks after we became the senior pastors there, I told them, I said, listen, there is a spirit of infirmity that has set himself up a stronghold in this region. And if we don't do something about it, some of you are going to die before your time. Oh, I can't get any help. I said, we're not going to just sit by and let it happen. We're going to rise up and take our place as the ambassadors of God and warriors in the Spirit, and we're going to bring down that principality. Look at your neighbor and tell them, we got to do it. we got to do it. See, it's, it's not just going to go away because you sing a nice song. I mean, praise and worship is wonderful, and thank God for it. But at some point, we have got to move into serious and severe intercession. We've got to pray and fast. Oh, Lord, that word. That's a four-letter word I don't like. Fast? What does that mean, to move quickly? No, that means that you're going to deny yourself what it naturally and daily and routinely enjoys. That means maybe you're going to turn the TV off for a while, or maybe you're going to turn your computer off and shut it down, or maybe you're going to push away from the table and you're not going to eat. I can't get many amens on that. But see, the purpose behind that is not so that you become super spiritual or so that you're able to manipulate God and get Him to do something on your behalf. The reason you fast is so that your carnal man, your flesh man, will shut up. Because you cannot tap into the frequency of the Holy Spirit when your flesh is acting up. You've got to step into the place to where that you are communicating with God spirit to spirit. Your spirit begins to hear more clearly. 
you begin to hear the instructions of God precisely. You begin to initiate the plans of God in a, a clear manner and without any flaw because now I'm hearing clearly. I got the frequency now where God can speak and there's no static. There's no clutter. I hear. I hear because my flesh is dead. That's what fasting does. It kills your flesh. And do you understand when I'm talking about your flesh? I'm not talking about your body as a physical structure. I'm talking about your nature. Look at your neighbor and tell them, everything about you ain't all that great. Come on, just... No, don't tell them that. Don't tell them that. See, some of you, you, you told them. I saw some of you, but some of you, you, you hesitated. That was good. What I'm trying to get you to understand tonight is that we have an opportunity as the body of Christ to do something that is significant in every area of this planet. But it can only happen as we gird ourselves properly and move quickly to our enemy. Whenever David, you remember little David? He went into the battle with Goliath. He didn't go there expecting to fight. That wasn't his assignment in the natural he didn't know what God had planned for him. The assignment that he was given was by his father Jesse, who said, here, take some crackers and bread and take it some cheese and give it to your brothers. And come back and report and tell me how the battle's going. I mean, that was his assignment. But when he got there and he heard loudmouth Goliath, and he saw all of Israel trembling and shaking in fear, and even King Saul himself was hiding in his tent. David became concerned. And in the midst of his concern, he heard a comment. Somebody said, yeah, I don't know who it's going to be. But boy, somebody's going to be blessed. Because if there's anybody in this group that's got enough courage and boldness to stand up to Goliath and to defeat him, they're going to never have to pay taxes again. Man, that right there's enough for me. I'm ready to fight. I don't know about anybody else. Never have to pay taxes again. Going to marry the beautiful daughter of the king and going to have wealth and riches beyond compare. David said, sign me up. Now, you got to see the whole picture here because when David comes again, he didn't come to fight. David came as an errand boy. He came as a messenger. But when he got there and he saw the cause and he realized there was a power, a principality that was mocking the people of God and hindering them from having success. He said, is there not a cause for somebody to do something? And so he told King Saul, I'm your man. He said, you're not a man, you're a boy. Have you not seen this Goliath who is trained in warfare and has battled all the days of his life? Have you not seen this guy? And David said, I don't really care about if I've seen him or I haven't seen him. He said, but what I can tell you is that before I got here, I killed a bear with my bare hands. I killed a lion with the same two hands. And this uncircumcised, 
no covenant Philistine will be no different. I have the authority to bring him down. Now see, you're going to get a key right here that's going to help you when you come into warfare with your adversary. Because your adversary will do everything he can to win the fight before the fight ever starts. So Goliath, in his big boastful voice, says to David, You come out here, you and your little scrawny self. This is my paraphrased edition. And you think that you're going to face me? And I can just hear him laughing in his big old loud voice. And it echoes through the valley and the Philistines are laughing and Israel is still shaking. And he begins to tell David what he's going to do. I'm going to cut you up into pieces and feed your flesh to the fowls of the air and there's not going to be anything left of you. And David could have just listened to that, but he didn't. He spoke up. He said, hey, let me tell you something, big boy. You come out here with a sword and a spear and you think you're going to intimidate me with all of your armor and your fancy warfare? I don't come to you with anything natural. I come to you in the name of the Lord whose I am and whom I serve. And today, God is going to put your head in my hand. And everybody is going to know there is a God in Israel. I believe that God is raising up a people right here in Wrightsville, Pennsylvania, so that the people will know there is a God in this county. There is a God in this territory. And His name is Jesus. I want you to reach over and touch a neighbor and tell him, I hope you're getting this. Come on, just... Now, I don't want to keep you much longer, so let me wrap it up, because some of y'all, I can tell, you already, you know, you're already thinking about what you might miss. Because when I preach in Africa, they want me to preach for two hours. I mean, they'll have me preach in the morning, in the afternoon, and at night, and they just squeeze everything out of you you can. You come back and you preach in America, and everybody's like, what do you believe? I mean... Listen to this. Let me just skip down real quick and kind of wrap this up. In 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, the Scripture admonishes us by the Apostle, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So what do you do? Resist him steadfast in the faith knowing that there's other people in the kingdom dealing with the same devil. And there are overcomers. Oh, I wish somebody would say it out loud. I'm one of them. Come on, say it again. I'm one of them. Uh Aha. And then Paul goes on and he says in Ephesians 6.12, and I quoted this a little bit earlier, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We are wrestling, but it is not a flesh 
wrestling match. It is in the realm of the Spirit. But see, when Paul wrote that, Pastor Aaron, he also had the revelation that was recorded in the book of Colossians where it talks about Jesus having spoiled powers and principalities. And how that Jesus, in His death, burial, and resurrection, made an open show of the defeat and the demise of the adversary. And so, yes, we're in a war. And yes, we're dealing with these things. But we are not weaponless. We are not powerless. Somebody say, I have what it takes to win. You want to be... You're going to be convinced of that child of God. You got the blood of Jesus. You got the word of his testimony. Hello? I said, you got the word of his testimony. You've got the name that's above every name, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess he's Lord. You've got the Holy Ghost. And if you don't, you can have it tonight. Let me rephrase it. If you don't, you can have him tonight. I want you to get that in your spirit. That God has given us everything we need in our arsenal to be victorious. We have not been called to live a defeated life, but to rise up. Listen, the devil is going to attack anybody and everybody he can because the scripture is clear that he goes about as a roaring lion doing what? Seeking... Whom he may devour. Who can he devour? Those that don't have knowledge. Those that don't have confidence. Those that aren't sure how to engage legally in warfare. See, there is a legal aspect to this thing. How many of you remember different times in the Scripture where it says that Jesus came to someone that was demon-possessed and the devil spoke up and said, Have you come to torment us before our time? What were they talking about before our time? You've got to go all the way back to the beginning to understand the statement that's being made in that passage of Scripture. Because in the beginning, God gave the earth to man. Adam was in charge. He was the God, little g, of the earth. God turned it over to him. Whatever he said... That's the way it was. If he called a certain animal elephant, it was an elephant, it's still an elephant. If he called it a giraffe, it was a giraffe, it's still a giraffe. God did not name the animals. Adam did. So whatever he called them, that's what they were because God had bestowed that authority upon him. But we know that Adam committed high treason and he sold out his birthright or his creative right that had been given to him as a son of God. And who took over the lease? I got one person willing to answer. I said, who took over the lease? The devil did, is that right? And so he's been holding the lease on this planet ever since. And it's not going to expire until the time of Adam is over, which is when Christ comes. So, according to the Word of God, these demons know it's not supposed to be over yet. But here comes the one that can deal with us. 
Here comes the one that can cast us out. That's what he ought to say when he sees you coming. Oh, have you come to torment me before my time? You bet. I sure have. I've come to give you a migraine you're not going to get over. I've come to give you problems that you don't know how to deal with. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I have come with the full mantle of authority to deal with you and to superimpose the kingdom of God over the kingdom of darkness. I can do that. If you're a Christian, you can do that. If you are a believer... You are not a whining, wimpy, wandering saint. You are a child of the Most High God, of the Almighty God, of the Omnipotent God. I'm trying to behave, but I'm about to shout now. I said, this is who you are. You are not a beggar barely getting by on breadcrumbs from the table of heaven. You are one that has been named among his beloved. And you have been cloaked with the garment of sonship. I don't care if you're male or female. You are a son of God, an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, and you have full rights, privileges, and authority to stand up and demand that the devil leave the territory of your assignment. Everybody stand with me, please. Let me just skip down here real quick. I've only got about 30 other scriptures, so let me just give you this one more. Pastor Aaron, could you just play something softly, if you don't mind, please? Or however you want to do it. But I, I want you to listen to this in Psalm 144, 1 and 2. Listen to this. Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. My goodness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. Now that's not really a good translation in the last portion of that verse, who subdueth my people under me. Let me read it to you from a more literal rendering. It says... Oh, I love this, Pastor Aaron. This is something you can preach on sometime. Blessed be God, my mountain, who trains me to fight fair and well. Come on. Somebody say, I can do a good job. I still, look at your neighbor and tell him I still got a knockout punch. Come on, just, now watch this. He is the bedrock on which I stand. The castle in which I live. My rescuing knight. (laughs) He's my knight in shining armor. The high place where I run for dear life when my enemies are laying low. In other words, God said, 
if you will exalt me and you will decree who I am, I will bring your enemies down low. Somebody say, God, lay my enemy low. Come on, say it. God, lay my enemy low. Now let me just read this quickly. This is what we do. This is how we enter. This is how we engage. I will sing a new song unto you, O God. Upon a psaltery and an instrument of ten strings, I will sing praises unto thee. It is he that giveth salvation unto kings, who delivereth David his servant from the hurtful sword. Rid me and deliver me from the hand of strange children whose mouth speaketh vanity, and their right hand is a hand of falsehood. That our sons may be as plants grown up in their youth. That our daughters may be as cornerstones polished after the similitude of a palace. That our garners may be full, affording all manner of store. That our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our streets. That our oxen may be strong to labor. That there be no breaking in nor going out. That there be no complaining. Oh, I wish you'd look at your neighbor and tell him I think he got you right there. Come on, just... That our oxen will be strong... There's no breaking in, there's no going out, and there's no complaining. Why? Because happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Why am I happy? Because I already know how the battle ends. I already know that I'm not warring to war, I'm warring to win. Look at your neighbor and tell them, say it out loud, I refuse to lose. Now some of you said that all right, but you need to tighten up your false teeth and try it again. Are you ready? Come on, say it again. Say, I refuse to lose. You have power, you have authority, you have ability, you have dominion. You've got to take it. You've got to enforce it. He will make your feet like hinds feet so that you can go to high places. And when you get there, you're going to tear down strongholds. You're going to tear down principalities and powers, wicked spirits in high places. They're coming down. When I look around today, I do not get discouraged. I'm not discouraged about politics. I'm not discouraged about finances. I'm not discouraged about the wars and the rumors of wars and the natural catastrophes we're all hearing about. That doesn't bother me. I'm not discouraged about it. Why? Because I know I win. In the midst of it all, I remain confident that I am victorious. Somebody lift both your hands and thank God for the victory that overcame.